Knights fans to episode two of Charge On. I am your host, Sean Green. First, before we get into the Knights dub, it was a great game. We really enjoyed ourselves watching it and we're excited to talk about it. But just want to give a huge thank you to everybody who checked out the first episode a couple days ago. I think all of us, me, Rob, Nick, were elated with the response. We were kind of caught off guard a little bit. I don't think any of us thought it would do that good for the first episode. Um, so I just want to say thank you, and I hope that you guys stick with us for the season. And Because, again, this team's going to be fun. But, Nick, I think, were you shocked? Like I, was, I woke up seeing the, the numbers, and I'm like, oh, I'm actually very pleased with this, and I'm, I'm happy Night Nation uh, is supporting us and kind of getting behind us. It's hard to be shocked, really, because Night Nation is very loyal. Uh, there's a heavy presence of Night Nation on social media, right? And there's a lot of youth there, and there's a lot of you know hunger to listen to these podcasts and everything. And and like you, I'm very glad to be a part of it again. And you know, it's been a while since I've sat down and I've really got to just sit back and analyze UCF again, football wise, and see yeah. a game and do that tonight. I mean, I thought that was great. So so yeah, it, it did. It didn't really catch me off guard because I know that the UCF faithful is always there. No, and Night Nation is. I, lo- I love Night Nation. I'm so glad to be a part of it. I know you are too. And I'm so happy that we can do this podcast and just get our thoughts out there because, you know, we go watch a game last season and we talk amongst ourselves. Now we can get in front of a camera and talk. And we're recording this at 1130 at night. I just got home from the game. Nick got to watch it from the comfort of his own home. But there's nothing like the bounce house. You know, I'm, it, it, it was raining. Here's the thing. I put out a tweet earlier. Here's the thing we need to just stop doing, and you know I don't know who we talked to about this, but can we just it had it needs to stop raining and in like inclement weather on Please, opening game day for the. You first remember game of the Boise season. State last year? How much of a train I was wreck there. That was yeah, well, you, I was there with you. You were I mean, with me. Train wreck. Train wreck. This man. was a little bit easier. It only got pushed five minutes, but there was like a second there where we're looking up at the sky, and I'm like, oh, this game's getting pushed to nine o'clock. It looked awful. And I'm like, oh, well, and as we're walking to the stadium, right, it's still raining. But the games, they said, oh, it's going to go at 7.05. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I just know there's going to be something. There's going to be some thunderstorm that's going to just randomly come in, and then they're going to have to bring all the people out of the stadium and sit in the concourse like we did against Boise. So I don't know who we need to talk to. It kills a crowd too, man. I texted you. I was like, like, send me a shot of the crowd because they just showed – like UCF running out of the tunnel and I saw the entire like like black and gold cabana was like completely empty. Yeah. Completely empty. And I was and that's, like I, I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed in that because it it was it was packed. For there was 44,000 people in there. Like it, it it was pretty much sold out. The black and gold cabana section was the one the one spot in the entire stadium that didn't have a lot of people sitting in the seats. Everywhere from the student section across to the other student section on that one side was completely packed. Which, again, I give credit to people for, like, again, if you're a UCF fan, you should go to every game. But this was SD State. It wasn't like you're playing Louisville. It was the opening game, so you expect fans to come. But, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say the fans that, like, it was raining out. They're probably like, eh, you know, we can miss this game. So I do give credit to Night Nation for still coming out. Because I know in some areas, they might just say, eh, you know, we'll just stay home. It's raining. It's SC State, whatever. 
but it was packed. That's why I sent you the video because I'm like, it is packed in here. Like, there's not a lot of wiggle room. And the student section was packed to the brim. When we were walking to the stadium, students were leaving. Like, uh, there was at least, I would say, probably 500 students that didn't get in the game. So that was just what I saw. I could be completely wrong, but I saw a lot of students going back to the parking garages to leave from tailgating. But um, what a great atmosphere. What a great first game. If anything, it makes me excited for next week. I will be going to Louisville. You will be there too. We will potentially be doing a live podcast post-Louisville. We'll get into that later. But that atmosphere is going to be crazy. I mean, after this game. But enough chat about the atmosphere. We obviously love it. But let's talk about the actual game that happened tonight. UCS first on the slate. SC State. Ooh, I kind of like what I just did there. Ooh. First on the slate, SC State. My overall thoughts of this game was it was almost like a roller coaster. But in a roller coaster that has two drops where you're like, oh, when's the next drop coming? And then it comes. So, obviously, the first, I don't know, Nick, how was it? Like seven, eight minutes? They basically put up 28 points. Yeah, it, 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 it was it was just it, the game was over. Like it was like, wow, OK, John Rice Plumley, you tweeted about it and I didn't want to. I was hesitant and you could talk about it. I didn't want to necessarily say you're 100 percent right, but I'm like, you're not necessarily wrong either. Right. Yeah, I, I can't – I don't know how it looked in the stadium, but just on TV, he comes out there, and he's wearing the number 10. And, and who do we associate that number with here at UCF? It's obvious, right? McKenzie. And, yeah, and the way John Rice Plumley kind of asserted himself into the offense, we already knew about the running style. I don't know what it is. Just seeing him wear the black and the, black and the white helmet and the UCF – and seeing him running and breaking tackles and making guys miss, and even like the kind of like quick twitch that throw that he kind of had, it was like I was watching Mackenzie Milton. And yeah. again, it could just be the number. If you put him in number 15, I don't know if it's going to look the same, but he looked like a, a Mackenzie Milton clone on that first drive. And I guess that's what got me really excited. And then, of course, you got to pump the brakes and realize it's South Carolina State, uh, it's week yeah. one. But and that's why it's so hard to evaluate this game. It's so hard to evaluate this game. Obviously, you want to get out without any injuries. And UCF, I, I believe, was able to do that, right? Yeah. The players who we expected to flash, they flashed. The transfers, the transfers on offense from the SEC were big time to jumping out to that 28 to, to nothing lead or whatever it was. So I think, yeah, but that first time I watched John Rice Plumley, I was, I was blown away. I was like, this is Mackenzie Mellon. And I think the questions that, like, obviously on the last episode, we were talking about the question marks, right? You know, passing accuracy, his arm, you know, would we be able to see that? And I said, we want to be able to see that this game specifically, right? We know you can run the ball. We know that you have that ability. Let us see you throw a bunch of balls against SC State. Let's see that accuracy. And I will say, though not perfect, John Rice Plumley played as good as you would want to see out of your starting quarterback against an SC State and moving forward. I mean, 20 for 31, he had 308 yards passing, four touchdowns, and then 13 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown on his leg. So five total touchdowns, almost 100 yards rushing, 300 yards passing. I mean, when you say Mackenzie Milton, that's, that's the thing. It is SC State. 
And I told you, you texted me and you go, that looks like a lot, a lot like Mackenzie Milton. And I said, it was just the first series against SC State. We need to like slow down. But to your point, listen, it's very hard. That touchdown pass to Javon Baker, I agree with you. The sidearm, like putting it right in the spot that he was going to be on a, a wide receiver slant down the middle. I'm like, whoa, that was a dot. I'm calling JRP like dot because he was just throwing these like I've never dots seen him throw all like that. Yeah, I, I've never. I mean, I've never seen him throw that like that. Honestly, I'm and I'm more to me the throw that he made to Kamori Gamble was the one that I went, whoa. Like this and even like the one where it was kinda like it was a backyard football type play. Remember um there was the offside on the third down, right? And yeah. I believe they were around, maybe around the forty yard line, whatever, and he just said it was a free play. And I know that it was out of bounds to Javon Baker, who by the way made a great effort, but he came down with that. And I just saw that throw and I was just like, okay, this guy has some confidence. He's locked yeah. in. And you could tell, like, he was airing it out, which you didn't see him do that much at Ole Miss. Um, yeah. And I, I appreciated Gus Malzahn doing that as well because I think Gus Malzahn last year was pretty conservative in his play calling, I'd say. Um, I love how in this game they kind of established, hey, we're going to push the ball down the field. We're going to play this exciting brand of football because that's what UCF is, right? You're yeah. supposed to be an exciting brand of football. That's your identity, no matter who's coaching the team. So I appreciate Gus Malzahn for doing that, and I appreciate John Rice Pumley executing it. No, and he did execute it. And I think looking at kind of the way that the offense was ran tonight, I mean, they ran the football a lot. Like, it was a lot of running the football. Like, when you have that running quarterback in John Rice Plumley, and then you have those rushers in Bowser and Richardson – it accounts to a lot of running. You threw the ball 31 times, but, you know, running the ball, John Rice, 13 carries, Bowser, 21, Richardson, 6. Like, that adds up, too. So it was very even in the sense that you got a lot and you got to see a lot. But I think what we were talking about last week or last episode, kind of it's very obvious what the offense is. It's play action every single play. You don't know if they're running the football, if they're throwing the football, if John Rice is going to you know, take it off himself, which makes this offense dynamic and scary to go against. Because, yeah, if you're doing a play action every time in a, a, a RPO, I mean, yeah, you don't know what's who's going to have the football. There were some times, and it was hard to watch at the bounce house because I'm wondering, oh, like, who's the ball going to? I might be watching Bowser, and actually John Rice has the ball, and I'm like, now I have to. Like, it was that quick where you're like, oh, I have no idea who has the ball at this point. So, I think the throws he made, like you said, they were outstanding. Now, we do have to talk, like, second, somewhat third quarter, offense got stagnant. Like, they were going three yeah. and outs, and they gave SC State, it wasn't like they were back in the game, but they put up 10 unanswered, and you could see some of, not necessarily the holes, but you could see the things that need to be worked on and need to be improved on. I think John Rice is still trying to learn. Like He was very excited in the pocket, and I think he did keep his eyes down the field a little too long in the sense that instead, maybe at Ole Miss, he would just be like, oh, okay, there's nothing, let's run. Today, he was like getting really excited making those long throws, and you know that's what ultimately kind of cost him on that sack, you know, fumble recovery to go down was you look too long, you get sacked, and then you know you get screwed up in that pocket. 
Yeah, and then he also had the one that he made to Ryan O'Keefe downfield, which I, again, I think that was 100% O'Keefe that just somehow was able to battle into that one. But again, he got all that confidence, and that's great. But they were, I think the drive after, if you recall, um, again, you didn't have the benefit of seeing it on TV, but they broke it down. He kept his eyes downfield so much there was a play where Isaiah Bowser was was wide open, wide open in the middle, himself. wide open yeah. in the flat, and he probably had maybe ten to twelve yards of, of green in front of him to keep going. And John Rice just kind of missed him, and he acknowledged it. You know, I missed him, but he had his eyes downfield. I think he threw it to Griffin instead, who was covered. He overthrew him. I think that was an example in this game where you could see that he still has some room to grow. And and again, that's why I don't want to overanalyze everything, but I don't want to also nitpick. John Rice yeah. Plumley because it's still a new it's a new system for him kind of I guess and I think the one thing I will say the positive he definitely brings a different dimension to this offense that hasn't been there in a long time I mean I think Dylan Gabriel I don't think anybody's going to tell you that Dylan Gabriel was or John Rice Plumley is a better passer than than uh, John Rice Plumley I don't think anybody's going to tell you that um. But Dylan Gabriel, the knock on him was he didn't use his feet enough. I think he probably could have been better at it. He didn't do it. John Rice Plumley, that was that's what I said. I go back to Mackenzie Milton. That's exactly what Mackenzie Milton used to be. I'm not saying he's as good as Mackenzie Milton. I'm just saying I think the play style is going to be a lot more similar to that. And I think that's the reason also why Mike Keene lost out on this quarterback competition. Because could you imagine Mikey could you imagine how different the offense would look with Mikey Keene in there? Yeah, very different. I mean, and it's different in the way that you think about situations or situational football in this sense. Like when there was a third and four, right? I'm thinking, okay, let's run it with John Rice. Like he can pick up four yeah, yards. Yeah, it was your best play. Right? Whereas like last year, if it's third and four, you're like, okay, what offensive pass are we going? I mean, because Bowser was injured. So like, yeah, maybe you can pick up those four with Bowser, which I'm not, I'm actually going to say SE State played as good of defense, you know, stopping the run on Bowser as you could. Like, for 21 carries, 72 yards, I think they did a really good job stopping the run, um, personally. Now I'm thinking differently, and I know Gus is, and that's why he's the starter, because you're like, oh, you know, okay, third and four. You know, we can, again, do a play action, and it opens up so much. And yeah, we we can't really nitpick, again, It, no offense, it is SC State. Yeah. He had as good of a game as we needed to see. And the real test is going to come up next week. I'm not saying Louisville, or Louisville, excuse me, gosh. I'm not saying Louisville is the best team in college football. It's obvious they're not. They have a lot of holes. Their defense is not that good. But you're going to have to score points. You're going to have to keep up with Louisville's offense. And we'll get into UCF's defense because I think that is the star of the night. That is the stat. Uh, yeah. Is UCF's defense showed out tonight? Yeah, but and I was going to say you're gonna if have you want to point wise. Yeah, and I was going to say if you want to nitpick things on the offense and the special teams, and I think these are valid criticisms. I mean, ten penalties for eighty-five yards against South Carolina State against a better opponent again in a much tighter game. Ten penalties for eighty-five yards is going to come back to bite you every single time. I've seen Though, that story yeah. with UCF teams in the past so many times uh, when they when they lose games and. It just can't happen moving forward. And I know probably I'm I'm almost positive Gus Malzahn probably went in the locker room. He probably mentioned that. I'm sure he did. I'm sure that bugs him they had ten penalties, and that's good. It should. And then I'm ready to already say this because I have three I have two years of it, of the example, and I have one game. Oh, we we're about get Obarski 
out of here. I'm sorry. He, he, he's Get not a starting out. kicker, at least no. at this program. He's not. I mean, he hasn't no. made a field goal over 40 yards. He didn't make a single field goal over 40 yards last year. He had that golden opportunity before half and just not even close. I, oh, I mean, I, I can't believe he's still here, honestly. I thought, I thought that was a position that Gus may have tried to strengthen. I know they, they have a good recruit coming in the next year, but for now, I think this is a no, serious, they signed a guy, serious like, concern. Well, and here's the thing, yes. And, and <laughs> again, you know, you try to give him the benefit of the doubt. He clearly won the competition. They signed a kid last offseason or last recruiting cycle, Colton Boomer. Yeah. First yeah. of all, come on. I want to see a kid with the last name Boomer kicking. That's field a great goals. name right there. Come That's a great on. name like, right there. Colton Boomer kicking bombs in the bounce house. Like, come on. Like, so I'm sitting there, and as soon as he's going to kick, that field goal, I'm like, he's gonna miss it. I don't know why. It's every there's no time confidence Barsky, there. There's no confidence no. there. Listen, I'll give when you he kicks. No, and I'll give him the. I'll give him this extra points. He has the confidence. He makes the extra points when they when he go up goes up there. Oh, I whenever hope so. there's a chance I mean, for three, <laughs> whenever there's a chance for three, he misses it, and it's so frustrating. It is because it is for, like it wasn't like it was a long field goal. I mean, what was the field goal? I think like forty four. Yeah, it was just over 40. And again, but I told you, he hasn't made a single field goal over 40 yards since, I believe, 2020. Uh, yeah, I, that's a problem. That's a problem yeah. that's got to be addressed. I, I don't want to – that's something that I'm not going to sugarcoat at all when we talk about UCF is the fact that I have not seen it in Daniel Obarski since he got on campus. His play has not proven that he can be a starting caliber kicker at this program, and it is a problem. There is yeah. no doubt about it. Not everybody can be a Matthew Wright, clearly. Um, but special teams, I will say, no, no nitpicking, but special teams was awful tonight. Um, not so much on the returners. You know, O'Keefe did outstanding on the return game. But most of those penalties came from special teams. I mean, hold, hold, hold. Yep. O'Keefe got to the 50 probably every single time, and every time it got brought back as a hold. So, Clearly, hopefully Brian Blackman can figure that out, you know, in the next couple days going into Louisville because, listen, that's going to help the offense even more. If you can, you know, get a good return on these punts and kicks, I mean, that's going to help your offense score points. So, um, yeah, you mentioned it, the 10 penalties, 85 yards, um, special teams, I think are the big, this can't happen, you know, consistently. Um Stop holding. We we don't want hold penalties. That's that's bad. Um, defense. I'll say again, take it with a grain of salt because of who we played. But my God, I mean, everything that we thought the defense was, especially the defensive line, and even that, even the corners. I'm like, okay, this is a series. This is a different defense from last year. Not saying that they weren't good last year, but you can just see the difference. I mean, you could see, like, they are getting to the quarterback consistently. Stopping the run, like, they were, they couldn't run on us. Like, they, I can't remember a, a run breaking for more than, and I might be wrong on this, so please, like, Night Nation, please don't, like, whatever. But I can't remember a run for, by SC State longer than 10 yards. Like, I can't physically remember it watching the game because it seemed like any time they ran the ball, 
it was either stop, right? Like, you know, nothing happened or a quarterback run outside and Jeremiah John Baptiste just stopped it. Or, you know, Justin Hodges, who had an outstanding game. Well, I mean, 33 carries for 35 yards. 33 carries for 35 yards. So there you go. UCF basically totally took their running game out of it. And I think what jumped out to me about the defense and is there's a, so much experience now. You know, it was a younger group last year uh, because they were replacing so many guys like Richie Grant and, and Tay Gowan and, and Aaron Williams, I mean, Aaron Robinson. They were replacing so many veterans on that defense, right? And yeah. I look at this year, and you already mentioned Hodges, who looks like he's coming into his own as is probably the best guy back there in the defensive backfield. But, you know, Trayvon Morris-Brash, you know, he's older. I like him a lot. I mean, Devon Wilson has, has played a lot of football in his college career. Uh, Anthony Maltalvo is one of the leaders. Ricky Barber. Uh, you know, you have some guys who have been here for a little while now and are really vocal. And there's also, you know, a lot of a mix of young guys. I mean, Nakai Martinez, we got a chance to see into in this game as well from the in the back end, and and he was great in the little span that we saw him play. I think he had a sack and a tackle for loss. I mean, that's what you're looking for, especially for a guy like Kim, who's one of UCF's I think highest rated recruits ever um, as of as of last year's class that comes in and, and plays his off right away so yeah i mean it again it's south carolina state i expect you to do that but i think what's important here is gus malzahn has been preaching this you know we're known for offense we're known for offense we want to be known as defense too and and i think travis williams is the guy to do that i think these guys clearly listen to him they bought in and so i was really impressed with what they did tonight uh i mean when you only give up 91 yards uh, of offense i think you put in a pretty good shift you put in a pretty good shift. Yeah, and that's, I think, the one good thing. I mean, if we look at their defensive possessions, right, like early on they really didn't give anything up. Obviously, John Rice fumbles. O'Keefe makes the outstanding save on the two, and defense stops him, holds him to a field goal. I mean, that shows kind of the difference in UCF's defense this year. Maybe last year, I don't know. Like, again, later on in the year, they were much better. But the fact that they are on the two-yard line, they have three downs to get it in, and they back up. Again, you don't want to go crazy about it because it is SC State, and you're going to be playing a pretty good quarterback next week. But I think this just shows you, number one, the depth, right? Because... Right behind Justin Hodges, you got Nakai Martinez. So it's like, and then on the defensive line, you got Lee Hunter on the bench. So it's like the depth, and we talked about this, right? The depth showed tonight, and it showed how good this defense can be. We just need to see it moving forward and see how it could progress. Yeah, and a shout-out, too, to Jeremiah John Baptiste, who I saw was wearing the C, so he was voted as a captain, which is great to see because, mm-hmm. you know, I know that he was pretty close to Tatum Bethune. Um, who we talked about at the on the last pod, how important he was, how big of a loss he was, and how much of a gain he was for Florida State. I was keeping my eye on that linebacking core, and I think they Jeremiah John Baptiste was flying around the field. He looked fantastic. So again, that tells me he's going to be the leader of that group, and um, he looks like he's here to stay. So I think that's also a big takeaway. Jeremiah John Baptiste, he might be the overall leader of the defense. Honestly. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I he was pretty impressive tonight just the way like 
there was a couple runs. Quarterback got out of the pocket, and he was there in an instant. Like so, he looks a little quicker. He looks a little quicker this year than he yeah. did past few years. Well, the linebacking core, yeah. I mean, the defense just looked fast. Which, again, I don't want to keep going back to the previous years and saying, oh, like this. The defense just looked super quick. Where previous years, like. We'd be so frustrated because it's like every time quarterback got out of the pocket, oh, no chance of stopping him. And again, I keep bringing it up, and it's like reiterating because it's like next week is huge. Like, yeah. you're going to go up against a quarterback that, yeah, it's going to get out of the pocket and he's going to run. Can you stop it? Can you get to him quick? Instead of getting a 15-yard run, can you hold him to a 7? Like, those are the questions we're going to have answered. And if if you go into Louisville, or if Louisville comes here and you just demolish them as a defense— no offense to every other team we're playing, but I don't know if you're going to find a much better quarterback than Malik Cunningham next week. So, I mean, that's going to be a big test. But we will talk about that on the next episode about Louisville because that's a huge game. But Corey Fields, we talked about him. A little bit different than what I expected, at least. Maybe it was just the game, but 5 of 14 – so not as many passes as we're used to seeing him throw. He got yanked from the game. Uh, 42 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um, you talked about it, Nick, but uh, they played four quarterbacks and had a total combined of 56 yards passing. I mean, not a yeah, bad it, night for your secondary at all. No, I mean, like I said, it was you put in a good shift when you hold guys to that. It, and yeah. again, I expect them to do it. I, I know I feel like I sound like a broken record here, but this is what I expect you to do to this team. I mean, you look across college football when you're playing layups. Well, one thing I said you should not do is be like North Carolina. North Carolina, I'll mention again, like in the last pod, gave up, I think, 27, 28 points to FAMU. Um, and I think FAMU didn't have a lot of players eligible for that game either. That's what I didn't no. want to see. That's what I yeah. really did not want to see. And really all that happened, you know, a late touchdown. You had the the, the strip sack kind of that almost went back for six, which, by the way, shout out to Ryan O'Keefe for great effort on that one. Uh, and to John Rise as well. I think he was going to catch him if O'Keefe didn't. So uh, that was good to see. But, yeah, uh, South Carolina State was a mess from the beginning. I mean, we had the whole viral punt I, that went on. That went viral. I, I, still, got a I, to see still, that. Don't, I still don't understand it. I, 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 I <laughs> He had a chance to he had a chance to run for the first down, and then all of a sudden he, he got I think scared. he was afraid to get he was afraid to get. He's like these guys are not the Miak the Miak players I'm used to getting hit from. I'm just gonna punt this thing. Uh, no, but that I'll was again because I saw it firsthand. Yeah. He was running, and he saw he was gonna get demolished, and he I don't the pooch I, I, it was. And that changed. Hey, that was part of that was part of UCF getting so much momentum early on because that put UCF oh, yeah. on the twenty-five yard line, whereas you know they would have been backed up in their own twenty probably. So again, that's a mental error, but that's what teams like that do. And if you're UCF, you take advantage of those. And the next play again was was the touchdown to gamble. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, Nick. Let's talk about our offensive winners and our offensive losers. We're going to give one each. Um, obviously, again, you know. Everybody played pretty great. There's no one player that, you know, you could be like, eh, didn't really perform well. It was a great team effort for the first game. Nick, who who kind of stood out to you uh, that you're on offense being like, okay, you know, this guy really inserted himself well tonight against SC State? 
I'm going to go with Kamori Gamble. I'm going to go with Kamori Gamble. I, I, we didn't talk about him much when we were talking about kind of additions to the offense, and I, I kind of wanted to. Uh, and he tonight he showed what he can bring to this offense. And we forget this guy played at Florida. He played behind Kyle Pitts for two years, yeah. right? Which, ironically, him wearing the number eight, he kind of looked like Kyle Pitts. I watched a lot of Florida football, and I just never remember him being that athletic. But that catch that he made, I mean, just going all out for it, able to hold it in. I mean, I was like, damn, man. Like, this is – look at this athletic tight end. I mean, and UCF has had a lot of really good athletic tight ends in the past, like Jordan Akins and Jacob Harris, who were two NFL guys, right? And I think the offense was always rolling when they had a super hyper-athletic tight end. So that's why I'm really excited about what Kamori Gamble can do here for this offense. And, and of course, being a safety blanket for John Rice Plumley, but even able to stretch the field like that. I just That really took, a, took me back a little bit for a guy who's 6'4", 240, I think. And, of course, a great story. You know, he, I mean, for those that don't know, he transferred to UCF because – he wanted to be closer to where his mom was so she could see him play because she doesn't like going on, she doesn't like flying. Uh, so again, this is a guy who really wants to be here and to play at UCF and grow. And, you know, he knows what it takes to win. He was on some of those Florida teams uh, where there is a high standard. I know he was there when they weren't winning much, but he knows the standard. And I think he's going to help out a lot. So he, he was my big winner tonight. No, and he was outstanding. Honestly, there was a couple times the play broke down and – he is the one player that I found always getting open. Like, he would mm-hmm. find a way to get open. And, yeah, he looked like he was John Rice's security blanket tonight. So, I'm pretty excited to see. I definitely want to see more of Alec Holler. I think he, like, if you put them both in the game at one time, I think that can be a dynamic tight end group. But, listen, we both know what Gamble can do. He was at Florida. Didn't really get to show much in the one year he did kind of start the most. Because again, Florida's offense wasn't, yeah, and quarterback play, but the yeah. offense just wasn't designed. It's almost like Mullen kind of, we don't want to get into Florida talk, but Mullen kind of changed the offense once Pitts left, thinking, oh, you know, it, you know, Pitts isn't here, so we got to now change it. And it's like you had a amazing tight end just waiting in the wings. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you had Kyle Pitts, but you had a guy that was good behind him. Um, but yeah. I'm excited to see what he does because I think he's going to end up being probably, and I know this is a big whatever, but I think he might be that like most important piece moving forward for this night's team specifically on offense. Um, me personally, and listen, I think this guy, Javon Baker, Alabama transfer, played as well as you would want and he was outstanding early on caught the first touchdown pass of John Rice Plumley. he had that long catch you know I forgot how many yards but it was a great throw by Plumley. great catch by him or and he went for that long run he went for that long run um somebody next to me said oh he should have he should have taken it to the house that was a little too slow I'm like he was going pretty fast um but I think, again, you talked about it. Getting these guys from the SEC that said, I want to come to UCF. I want to come and play under Gus. I want to be with this team. Javon Baker was playing for Nick Saban. He said, I'm going to come here. Now, I know Alabama fans will say, oh, you know, he wasn't even that good for us. You know, he whatever. He still was with Nick Saban. He was still in that locker room. He still could have stayed there. And who knows? He could have played. 
he came here and he he showed impact. One thing I will say, a couple drops. Alabama fans, I know that that is a thing that they said he does drop balls. Again, that's something we can work on. But let's be real, five wrecks, nine targets, 84 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I would take that stat line every game from Javon Baker. Yeah, he, he was very impressive. And I think that was my main takeaway was the SEC transfers. It's amazing what the transfer portal can do. You know, amazing. a lot of people want to, you know, dump on the transfer portal. And, you know, God knows we could do a long-form discussion on that. And I won't bore you with that tonight. Um mm-hmm. But you could see the benefit there. I mean, to bring in just three guys, John Rice Plumley, uh, Javon Baker, and Kamori Gamble, and immediately those are your three biggest pieces of your offense that they were able to transform. And, again, that goes back to Gus Malzahn and his staff for finding, identifying that talent. And it looks like it's going to pay off because I was looking who's going to be that second guy behind Ryan O'Keefe. Because Ryan O'Keefe, by the way, he looks even better than he did last year. So, obviously, he still has another level to get to, which is scary. But Which people, ba- won't, people will look at that stat line. Sorry to cut you off. So people will look at that stat line and be like, oh, O'Keefe had an off game. It's the other things O'Keefe does. I mean, he makes the offense dynamic because you have to watch him. Like, you have to make sure he's not getting the football because if he does, you better watch out. Yeah, I mean, he almost finished with he almost finished with uh, close to 100 yards and only caught two passes because of his impact in the, in the end-around game. I mean, those design plays for him. When he's out in open space, he's as dangerous as anybody in college football. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. Uh, I, I, I'm a big Ryan O'Keefe guy, but the fact that you can put Javon Baker opposite of him uh, as kind of a replacement, because remember last year, we didn't get much of Jalen Robinson. We really no. didn't because of the injuries. And I think we were always kind of looking for who else besides Ryan O'Keefe was going to step up. And I think this year, they've so far, all indications are that guy's going to be Javon Baker. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of guys waiting in the wings, too, that can probably help this Knights team. Uh, God forbid. But, I mean, Mari Johnson's hurt. And he, by all accounts in camp, they were saying he was, you know, the guy. Yeah. Um, one, I, Kobe Hudson is somebody I definitely want to see more of. I think he didn't get enough to do tonight, um, but definitely think he could also help out um, that wide receiver room. Uh, Nick, defensively, who is the guy that just really impressed you tonight? Again, the entire defense was outstanding, uh, but who's one guy that kind of just popped for you uh, tonight? Yeah, I, I mentioned him earlier. Um, I know probably not the biggest impact on the whole the whole game, but to actually see him in there was Nikai Martinez. I keep going back to him because to come in here as a true freshman, to play, you know, in the spurt that he did, and to impress, I think that Travis Williams is going to be like, okay, we have something here. And as this season goes on, I think you're going to see him kind of force his way into that starting lineup because talent always wins out. It always wins out. I don't care if you're a true freshman. I don't care if you're a redshirt senior. The talent's always going to win out. And Nikai Martinez is probably as talented or more talented than anybody, anybody in that defensive backfield, including Devod Wilson, including Justin Hodges, in my opinion. And he's going to have his, his freshman moments. I get that. But I was really impressed with what I saw in this game. So I think he's going to kind of he's going to carve out a little role for himself if he keeps this up. And I think that's why he was my biggest takeaway. But I mean, you could you could say the entire defense, to be honest. Yeah, gets on the field, gets a sack right away. I mean, very impressive. He had, he kind of had his, you know, welcome to college football moment. He did, you know, do a pass interference. You know, we can debate it if it was, you know, but 
he did. He just pops on the field. Like you could tell the reason. Like when everybody was talking about him, uh, you know, leading up to this game, there was a reason. Everybody would talk about Nakai, and it's like, okay, let's see it. And he did pop on the field. I do want to mention his starter, Justin Hodges. That's my guy. I think I was so impressed. He has made such a huge leap, especially from last year, getting thrust into the starting lineup because of injuries. He has shown me, like, this guy loves football. All the coaches, like, especially Travis Williams, said this guy dreams about football. I know they say that about every football player that, like, you know, oh, this guy loves football. I think this guy is special. I think... He could go to the NFL. He can go to the league just by the way he plays. He plays ferociously. He knows how to play this position. Now, it is a design position in the you know, UCF defense, but I think the kid's special, and he was everywhere on the field tonight. So, huge shout-out to Justin Hodges. I think he, like Jeremiah John Baptiste, I think he might be like the second most important, second or third most important person on the defense this season specifically. Um, and he's going to be big next week against Louisville. We're going to need him to have a really good game. Um, all right, Nick, final thoughts before we wrap up episode two of Charge On. Yeah, like I said, it, it's hard to really go full in and evaluate this because this is a team I, I expected you to do this. I mean, I said 52-7. to 7. What did you say, 49-10, to 10, I believe, or something like that? I was like that. so close. You were so was... close. You were so I close to hitting so it right on the close. head. I was literally, they scored a touchdown, and I'm like, I just want the score to stay the same. But then it was almost like, would I be disappointed? Because then if I like went and put money on the score, then I would make a lot. So it's like, there was that part of me that's like, okay, I want you to score, but also I want to be right. And then I could clip that, put it on socials. Hey, I, listen, you got to come check out the show because I guess, I guess scores, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, and my other big takeaway here, uh, not really a takeaway, but just something I'm looking forward to is next week against Louisville is, uh, oh, first of all, I want the rain to stay away because it's a Friday night game. I love Friday night atmospheres inside the bounce house. I'll say it, the bounce house. Let's I love go. Friday night atmospheres there, there. I'm showing up there. It better not rain. And I want to see a full stadium packed. I want to see a full packed in stadium. I know that there was never going to be that for South for South Carolina State. That's fine. For Louisville on a Friday night, I want to see that. Like I want to see this program get a little bit of that of their swagger back, just a little bit yeah. back, because I feel like we've lost some in the last couple of seasons. So I want to see that come back against Louisville. Nick will be in studio next week post game for Louisville, uh, which will be exciting. I don't know how we're going to do that yet. We got to figure technology. That one out. Technology. technology, technology. We always we love technology so much. It's so fun. Um, you know, for throughout the episode, if you heard Nick clicking, that's just his computer. So please don't roast or say our audio is bad. Again, technology. We're learning. Um, but again, um, my final thoughts. Great game. So happy that just college football is back. Uh, you mentioned it on your radio show this morning, um, the JP Peterson show. Tune in. Um, even though, you know, we need to get some UCF content on there. You're a little um, salty today about that show. No, nah, a little salty. We don't want to, we don't want to talk about it, but, um, we, you brought up and said, listen, I'm, we're just glad that we could talk about these games and not have to talk about 
leagues and realignment and TV all this contracts. TV Jeez. contracts, even though there was that report, and we'll talk about that next week. But I'm so glad that we could talk about stats, receptions, passing yards, and how they played. I'm so glad. I'm so happy. We got NFL coming back too. So it's a fun time. I'm happy for the dub. I think 56 to 10 is a great score. I was a little nervous when it was 28 to 10. I'm like, we need to beat this team by a lot more to get recognition. So I'm, I don't, I think we'll move up a couple spots, not making no top 25 yet. But if you go and beat Louisville, you're in the top 25. Hey, I'm just saying, we got about a minute package on, on Scott Van Pelt tonight. UCF did. So can't say that Listen, about years past. So there you go. No, you can't. Want to thank everybody for tuning in to episode two of Charge On. We will be back. Gosh, when's next? It's next Friday. We'll we'll be back at some point next week. I'm trying to think of what date should we release an episode for our UCF fans. Probably Wednesday, right? We should do a Wednesday episode, probably. Yeah, Let's do Wednesday. A Wednesday. Or, Wednesday. Wednesday. Let's pencil us in for Wednesday. There. Let's pencil us pencil us in for Charge On episode three on Wednesday, where we will give you all your Louisville versus UCF info, our thoughts on the game, the game that I think, well, I predicted we would lose, but now I don't know. We got to see Louisville this weekend and see kind of what they're what they're looking like. But all in all, great game, Nick. Obviously, thank you for coming on. Uh, even though you're an every weaker or every pod podcast uh, type of guy for me. So I appreciate you, and I appreciate all you for tuning in to Charge On. Obviously, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at, at Sean MR Green. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. I mean, so pleased. We have 18 new subscribers. I know it's low, but we will get it up. But I appreciate all of you that have subscribed. Nick, do you want to shout your Twitter uh, Twitter for the the people. Yeah, Nick Gettys News. N I C K G E D D E S News. Nick Gettys News. So follow him. Rob will be back next episode. He fell asleep. Uh, let's just be real. He got home from the game. He partied and too hard out. a little bit. He partied hard a little bit. Here's the thing. He he was late to the game. So I mean, he didn't I'm party that surprised. hard. I'm not surprised. You know. At least he wasn't um, like the guy three rows back. So hey, we don't want to talk. About we don't need to get to that, but. All right. Thank you for uh, coming to Charge On. Go Knights. Charge On. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.